Mike was working in his office. It was a normal day and nothing seemed different. He was meeting with people when all of a sudden three people appeared. They had kicked open the door and looked at Mike and said, you need to come with us. You need to come now. Mike wasn't sure what was going on. Mike wasn't even sure if he knew these people. They were dressed in all black and had masks on, but there was something familiar about them. He was pretty sure he'd heard these voices before. Mike got up and left his office and headed outside. There was a helicopter waiting. And Mike asked, what is this all about? And they said, we're here on a special mission for you. You are safe now. And they handed Mike papers, inviting him into a new mission. And in that moment, the helicopter took off and Mike woke up. And he realized that it was safe to trust God in the midst of transition and the invitation to do so. Well, we have been in a series about generosity. And I don't know about, I don't know about you, but it has been so fun to hear different voices and to hear different people talk about their stories and interactions with generosity. So last time that we met and did this, last week we did prayer for our neighborhoods and schools and our community. But last time it was Tom and Tom talked about what it means to be generous in our encouragement and blessings. He invited Eric Recker up and Eric spoke about what it meant for him to just give a word of blessing on Facebook and what that meant for his life. And then the testimonies he was getting from people because of what that meant for their lives. And then the week before that, Darren Wogan spoke and did a great job of sharing what it means to be cheerfully generous and that we also get to be generous people. And then the week before that, Josh DeWard was up here with me and he blessed us by sharing the story of Unite Midwest and he encouraged us to remember that God is who he says he is. So I would like to finish our series on generosity by reading the definitions of generosity one last time. Generosity. The quality of being kind and generous. The quality or fact of being plentiful or large. Generous people are the ones who give more than is expected of them. It is generous for a friend to take the couch when they let you sleep at their house and they give you the bed. It's generous when we decide to go one step beyond what's expected of us. It's then that we're being generous. A few years back, Mike and I hit the epitome of what we thought life was gonna be. I know that may sound weird because we're, we might look young, but we're not that young. So we thought we had hit the epitome of what work and everything that we had built up in our lives. Mike was officially working towards being a therapist. I was working here at third. I was in student ministries. I was with high school students. Life couldn't get much better than that, if I'm honest with you. Everything was as we dreamt, or so we thought. But the truth was, it wasn't. It wasn't picture perfect. And one evening when I was doing the dishes and I was looking outside the window and processing with the Lord, I said, how did this happen? These were the dreams you had given us, Lord. Why does everything feel so desperate in this moment? Why does everything feel so out of control for us? And then I whispered, God, you're going to need to intervene because I'm not so sure we can do this long term. 
A month and a half later, Mike and I began to have some real conversations about what was going on in our lives. And we realized that we were wrestling in the same places and we began to wonder what God was up to. Was life really supposed to be all this hustle and bustle? Was being an adult actually about sacrificing your family and yourself for jobs? Was the carrot of the American dream actually worth it? God answered our questions quickly, and within a month, we knew God was inviting Mike out of what was into something new. But we didn't know what that new was. Mike gave his two weeks notice. God then gave him the dream, and that was it. Mike was going to be a stay-at-home dad until God said something else. If I'm honest, the first month was hard. Mike needed to heal. He needed perspective. He needed to process anger, dreams, and he needed to process the deep sadness and grief that he was going through from lost things that he had worked so long for. So every day when the girls and I left for school or work, he would go hike and yell at Big Rock Park. Yes, you heard me correctly. He would yell at God at Big Rock Park, and he would tell God and give God a piece of his mind of what he thought about this season and what God was doing in his life. Mike would often come home during that time and he would say, I'm pretty sure I'm that crazy man that talks to himself at Big Rock Park. But there was something beautiful in Mike's authenticity and it left me in awe. Mike was like King David in the Psalms. He was going to give God a piece of his mind, but he knew God wasn't scared of that. He wasn't going to hold back And he knew that wasn't the expectation from God. Things were not okay. God needed to know his heart's cry. One day while Mike was hiking, he was especially mad because it was February and it was the coldest February and it was snowing and he could only sit on snow. Now here's the deal. I read this a few times to my kids and one of my kids would say, but there's benches at Big Rock Park. There's benches at Big Rock Park, but they were covered in snow as well. And so as he was sitting there, shaking his fist at God for the snow this day, all of a sudden, a hammock came into his mind. We didn't own one, and nor were we about to spend a lot of money to get one and all the accessories needed to have one. And that night, Lord, the Lord then gave Mike a dream of a hammock and how to build it, what he needed to make it worthwhile. So he ordered fabric, busted out my grandma's old sewing machine, and sewed a hammock, so that he didn't have to sit on the ground anymore, and so that he could be dry and maybe a little warmer. A few weeks later, he was wondering again what the purpose of this season was. Why did he have to experience this pain? His life had been painful enough. Why again, Lord? God encouraged Mike to reread his journal. And entry after entry, God began to show him that in the midst of his loss, his longings were beginning to show. He was longing for adventure, rest, and community. The Lord was letting Mike know that to be fully who he was created to be was actually to live out adventure, rest, and community. He needed it. Little did we know in that moment that it was going to be our family's new motto. We were going to take a break from our busy to engage with God and one another in adventure, rest, and community. We were going to live an arc life. 
Now, as Mike's wife, I sat back and didn't know how to encourage him. The truth was, the things he was saying, I was also identifying with. My words felt insignificant. My own dreams and hopes for our family came crashing in that last blow. I was trying to make sense of the reality and all that was happening. By God's grace, though, I had to leave three days after he left. Okay, so here's the truth. If I was any of you and you're like, you left your husband after all of this, three days after all of it, and I would say yes. But I double-checked more than once. And I asked Mike, are we sure that you're okay with this? And then I would check again. Is this really opposite day? Like you're saying one thing, but you're really meaning this. And I need to somehow read between the lines. And he would again bless me and bless me each time and say, no, go. I'm fine. Things will be fine. So I flew out to California. I met my parents there and we went to San Diego and I studied and rested for three days. And then after those three days, Three days, I went to Pasadena, and I went to a conference. We were going to be studying what does it mean to live life in a way that engages students. In the middle of that conference, we did a Lectio Divina. And the person leading it had us sit there for a moment. Do you ever have those moments in your life where you're pretty sure everything that's just happened is all your fault? Like, yes, you heard from the Lord, but did you really hear from the Lord? Like, maybe you heard a piece of what the Lord said, but actually you didn't get the fullness, and so this probably is all happening because of something you did. Well, I was in that exact moment. And the Lord broke in as I was sitting there quietly, and he said, Allie, this was a rescue mission, and I needed to rescue you and your family. I needed you to know how much I love you. This is not me overthrowing your family. This is not me pointing out something's wrong with you and Mike. This is me rescuing you in this moment. God has always been for his creation. It's often hard for us to understand and recognize this. So I want to give us a few different examples. So first in the Old Testament, God extended his hand in Genesis 3, which might sound weird because that's the fall of of mankind. But instead of immediately banishing us and sending us to hell, God takes us from Eden and says, because you want to be more like me, because you might end up like Satan and think you're better than me, I need you to leave Eden because I don't want your destiny to be hell. After being sent from Eden, then humanity chose again to do its own thing. After God had rescued them once, humanity chose to do their own thing. And when things were bad in the world and things were bad all around, God couldn't take it anymore and he didn't want people to go to hell. But then a flood came and the Lord made a flood come. He wanted the earth to reset and humanity to reset because he couldn't bear the thought of us ending up where his greatest enemy was leading and ruling. So Noah, let me just remind you, a not great man was asked to build an ark, invite his family in, bring two of every kind of animal with him, and for 40 days and 40 nights, it rained. And then a long time went, and they were not surfing in the waters, but they were sailing the waters together, wondering what was happening, hoping that at some point this wasn't going to be their destiny because let's be honest, those animals were starting to stink. Let's, I mean, be, seriously, let's be honest with that. Like, that was gross. But 
a dove flew out and brought back an olive branch. And there was hope. The waters were receding. And God said to Noah when it was all done, I promise to never do this to you again. And he put a rainbow in the sky. So that every single time we see a rainbow, we can remember that God's plan is not to destroy humanity. His generous promise is to rescue us. But again, humanity struggled and continued to struggle. And they felt like they knew best. They fell into deeper and deeper sin. And the one man who was most righteous was Abraham. But Abraham was grieving. He lived a life that was above reproach. He loved God with all of his heart. But the one thing him and his wife had always wanted was a child. And there was no child on the way. And they were old. And there was nothing to show for their life. See, because back then, children were actually more significant than money. Children would bring on the blessing upon a blessing. They would show the family name. They would be able to carry the business along. Children meant the world, and they didn't have any. But one day, God leads Abraham out to a mountain and says, look at all the stars in the sky. You are going to have that many descendants. God met Abraham when there was no thought that that could happen at their age. God was generous in his promise to Abraham, and Abraham was considered and is considered to be the father of the Israelite nation. So there's three other covenants. Every story I'm telling you are covenants from the Lord. And I love covenants. It's actually a part of our rich history here at Third. Reformed theology is a covenant theology. And what that means is it's not us initiating with God. It has always been God initiating with us. God always extending the hand and saying, I see it, come, I've got you. And I love it. There were five covenants in the Old Testament and then there was one in the New and it was the final one. It was the ultimate rescue plan for all of humanity. It's why Jesus came and died. Jesus lived among us. It is why God took on flesh. It's why Jesus rose again. It's so that we could live with God forever, and God was generous with his rescue plan, and still is today. God wanted eternity with his creation. And nothing was going to stop that. So I don't know about you, but sometimes in the midst of my hurts and hard seasons and different situations, I have a hard time seeing how God is generous. My conversation can usually turn into wonder and accusation of why things are going the way they are. God, what are you doing? Do you have any idea what's happening in my life? But God is generous in the wilderness. Because God's there. God's generous in the wilderness because he actually understands. When God became flesh and was Jesus and was here on the earth, Jesus walked in the wilderness. We aren't pawns. We're his beloved. The generosity of the wilderness is that we get to remember his faithfulness in the past. We get to work our faith muscles a little differently. We get to practice obedience, maybe for the first time ever, And we get to see God at work if we pay attention. A few weeks ago, I shared that I've been listening to Heinz Feet in High Places. I've been listening to it because I wanted to hear it in the English language. The first time, it was very confusing to me. 
because they were using words that I had to look up. I had no idea what that word meant. You might all judge me, but like precipice. Who knew what that meant? I would not call anything. Anyways, but that was one of the words. So there are other words that I had to look up to. So the first time I was confused and I was catching on to a few things. And then the second time I listened to it, I began to draw new things out and the Lord began to show me more and more. And now I'm on my third time. I've decided, and I feel like it's an invitation from the Lord, that I will be listening to this book until I actually get all that God wants to teach me from it. One of my favorite parts, which I shared a couple weeks ago, is when the great shepherd looks at the main character, Much Afraid. And throughout her journey, as she's learning what it means to be loved and a daughter of the king, he'll look at her after each lesson and say, why don't you pick up a stone? And we'll remember this moment. I love that. It's actually really biblical. It started in the Old Testament. In Genesis 28. When Jacob stacked stones to commemorate how powerful his encounter was with God in that moment. And the promise God gave him. Let me read it to you. I am God, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. I'm giving the ground on which you are sleeping to you, to your descendants. Your descendants will be as the dust of the earth. They'll stretch from the west to the east and from the north to the south. All the families of the earth will be blessed because they will be your descendants. Yes, I'll stay with you. I'll protect you wherever you go and I'll bring you back in this very ground. I'll stick with you until I've gone and done everything I promised you. A few years ago, I was reading about Jacob and Jacob was a great deceiver. If I'm honest with you, I actually wonder if that's where our lying comes from a little bit. If you look at our history in Christian faith, there were quite a few people that were great deceivers. But God said, that's not the destiny I'm declaring over you. I get to have the final word of your destiny. It happens again in Joshua 4 with the Israelites and they set up memorial stones as they cross the Jordan River to commemorate God's love and the miraculous intervention of how the water split and they walked through dry land. This is what it says. The people came up and out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. They set up camp at the Gilgal the circle, to the east of Jericho. And Joshua erected a monument there using the 12 stones that they had taken from the Jordan. And he told his people, in the days to come when your children ask their fathers, what are these stones doing here? You get to tell your children this. Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry ground. And then it happened again in 1 Samuel And Samuel renames the memorial stone to an Ebenezer stone. And he reminds them of how God rescued them from the Philistines. The truth is, each one of us has memorial stones. The truth is, each one of us have encounters and experience and words and memories of when God has broken in. For Mike, it was Ark. And although he didn't physically create stones with adventure, rest, and community on them, he and we have literally lived out these memorial stones as our remembrance of this last season. So I want to give us a minute to think. And then we're going to get in circles and we're going to talk. 
But I want to give us a minute, a minute to think, God, where have you broken in? Just once. No more than once. I mean, you can talk about more, but like we're asking for one time for the Lord to remember and help you remember. And then we'll talk about it. So will you take a moment and just ask the Lord, where have I seen you in my life? Will you help me remember that? Okay, so this is the best part of this moment for me. God has been so generous, and I know it because of the murmurs I'm hearing. So this is what I want us to do. If you are courageous enough to do this, I'm not saying if you don't do it, you're not courageous, so please know that. I just know that it's intimidating to do these things in front of people. Would some of us share what you shared? Just a brief variation, a brief version. It can even be one word. But would you share? And then we're going to celebrate God's generosity in each one of our lives. And then I have one more action step. Anyone want to start us? Yeah, go for it, Rich. Yeah, for sure. So God answering prayers of kids knowing who Jesus is. And although it may not seem like it, the truth is it's the environments you set up for them to experience that. But that's huge. Come on, give God a hand. That's amazing. Jim, go for it. Oh, Alan, go for it. Oh, that was, that was a great way of doing that, Jim. Come on. Alan, go for it. Okay. Yeah. So the moment-to-moment encounters with God. Come on, give, it a, give God a hand. All right. Any more? Go for it, Lynn. Wow, come on. So when we um, lived in Kansas City, we had, we lived there for about six years before we moved back to Colorado where Abby was little, so it's only because Abby was little. And um, for two years, we, I wanted to live in Colorado. We wanted to move to Colorado. My family was here. We weren't living by family. And um, we did all sorts of things. Doug actually applied to Teleport. We tried to figure out how we could make this Right. Happen. Right. And I, I knew immediately when we saw that, okay, man, this is when it's going to happen. And it, it, was, it, just, yeah, it was just perfect, and we just had to wait. Yeah. The generosity of God knowing exactly how he's created you, Doug, and that that made a way for your family. Come on. That's awesome. How about one more? Yes, go for it. Thanks, Mike.
That's beautiful. So the generosity of God in hard moments and that God is there. Always has been and always will be. Mike, thank you. So today, I want to invite us to continue to do this. So like I said, and like we read from scripture, people used these stones as remembrances of God's faithfulness. And you know what the best part is? It's because then in the times when things were crazy and everything felt like it hit the fan again, then they could go back and say, God was faithful here. I can trust he'll be faithful again. So this is my encouragement. Will you spend maybe today or sometime this week or maybe throughout the week asking the Lord, will you remind me of those moments? And maybe you actually grab stones and you write them out. Or maybe you take marble after marble and stick them in a jar so that when you forget or when your eyes glance that way, you can celebrate because he was faithful once, twice, three times, a hundred times, whatever it may be. And you can remember that because he was, he will be again. Will you pray with me? And then we're going to worship together. God, I sit in awe of how generous you are. I wasn't joking, Lord, and you know that that when I said, as I heard the murmurs, it felt like praise is going to heaven as we remembered. And so, God, I pray that this week, we as a family will engage with you and shout and declare and place rocks or marbles or be reminded in journals, but God, that we will praise you because you have been faithful and you will continue to do so. So God, I thank you for every time you have broken in in each one of our lives. I thank you for each encounter, each word, each dream, each experience, each conviction. God, thank you that you are drawing us near. And God, thank you that your plan has always been to be with your creation and to rescue us. And as you're created, God, will we glorify and honor you today as we end in worship. We pray this all in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.